Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. show on the bay 88.7 or muskokaunlimited.com wherever you're listening today we have a really special guest very intelligent gentleman dr neil hutchison of friends of muskoka watershed and we are going to be discussing a very important issue and something that i learned about from yourself and from norm and other people in friends of muskoka watershed when i was helping out with ash muskoka and the ash drives and that is the road salt issue um, so can you give us a little overview about some of the studies and, uh, and research being done in, into the road salt concerns about how they're affecting the environment and the impact on the environment? Thanks, Chris. I, I think the best place to start is, is the, uh, to remind people that in 2001, Environment Canada declared road salt to be a hazardous substance. And that was something that could have persistent and long lasting damaging effects to the environment. And so from doing that, they uh, spent some more time assembling studies on the toxicity of, of road salt and monitoring how high it was and where it caused to be high, uh, that, that type of thing, and developed a Canadian water quality guideline uh, that was supposed to protect aquatic life. Uh, with all the studies they did, they put together a guideline that said anything uh, more than 120 parts per million in water could be harmful to aquatic life. So that set the stage for now looking at how much salt we have and where it is and where it might be doing damage. Okay. Muskoka, however, um, research that was done by uh, Dr. Yan and his colleagues at Queen's University and York established that this guideline was not protective of the, of the sensitive species found in Muskoka waters. We have very soft water here. We're on the Canadian Shield. It doesn't dissolve very easily. So we have low, very low levels of ions in the water. And, and the water is very soft, and that causes substances like chloride to be more toxic than they would be in hard water south of here. Knowing that, we then look around at the lakes that we have here, and we're very fortunate in that uh, the Ontario Ministry of the Environment in Dorset and the District Municipality of Muskoka have been uh, keeping monitoring programs going on approximately 230 lakes, in some cases for over 40 years. So we have an excellent record of water quality here. What we've seen is that uh, chloride, we, we measure major ions every springtime in the lakes, um, has been increasing a year after year after year uh, since we started keeping records in the mid-80s. Okay. Um, and uh, there's a continuing upward trend going. And in some cases, um, it, it, it's reaching levels that we should be concerned about. Gotcha. Uh, several places to note here is that if we start at the upper end of Muskoka, if we go to Big East River, upstream of Huntsville and look at the, we'll call those natural chloride levels. Okay. Uh, there's no, no, no roads, very few humans in that watershed, very few roads. And we're down to less than half of a part per million oh, in okay. the Big East River. By the time we get down to Port Sydney, we're up to six and a half parts per million. So that's about a 20-fold increase uh, over that period of time. And yeah. that would directly reflect the urban influence of Huntsville, where gotcha. we put salt on our sidewalks, on our roads, on our driveways, yeah. and on the highways too. And so we see that it's increasing. It stays about the same concentration uh, as the Muskoka River leaves Bala. That isn't to excuse Bracebridge. We put lots of salt in the water in Bracebridge <laughs> too, 
Um, but we have the south branch of the Muskoka River coming in to dilute the north branch. Gotcha. And the south branch is, is, is much lower in chloride. So it tends to temper what we're seeing in, in Bracebridge. We go down and look at Muskoka Bay in Gravenhurst. We see uh, it's got the highest, uh, the second highest concentrations in the watershed are in Muskoka Bay, where it's gone from the original values of about 0.5 to 16 or 18 parts per million. So 30, 35 or 40 fold increase. It has, uh, it has been increasing in, uh, in, Lake, in Gravenhurst Bay because it's surrounded by urban development. Highway 169 goes through there. There's lots of commercial areas where we put salt on the, on, on the sidewalks and on the parking lots. Lake Muskoka itself is, is about one-third of that, about six, and it appears to be stable in recent years, so we're keeping our eye on it. So there's lots of monitoring that goes on that, that we're assembling, both through the Friends of the Muskoka Watershed and the Muskoka Watershed Council, just to keep a track of what's going on. And then the, uh, the research that's been done in soft water by Dr. Yan and his colleagues has shown that chloride is much more toxic than the federal guideline would have us believe, to the point that we're, we, we think somewhere between 10 parts per million and 40 parts per million might be the dangerous level that we should be worried about instead of 120 yeah. that the, 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 the federal government scientists did. And that's just because the research has been done more recently. Not that there's anything wrong with the previous research, but we've done more. Yes. We, we've expanded where we're looking. Yeah. The one other uh, very interesting feature is um, there's a lake called Jevons Lake. Now, if you're driving north into Muskoka, you come into Gravenhurst. There's a great big bend in Highway 11. About a kilometer to the east of there is Jevons Lake. Jevons Lake receives drainage both from Highway 11, which is a very busy highway there. Yes. And, um, and receives the drainage from the uh, commercial areas at the south end of Gravenhurst, all drain into this wetland that goes down into Jevons Lake. Okay. Jevons Lake is currently at about 115 parts per million. If present trends continue in a couple of years, it will exceed even the federal guideline. Now, I've been studying water quality across the country for 40 years, and I've never seen a whole lake that's exceeded the guideline. Yeah. Usually you get concentrations around an effluent pipe or something. Yeah. This is a whole case where a whole lake seems to be running up against that guideline. Interesting. What we've seen is a change in the community of freshwater shrimp. The zooplankton, which yeah. are, are fish, uh, fish food for young fish. Yes. Uh, that community has been altered and started in about 1950 when we started doing heavy use of road salt and heavy transportation after World War II. So you can reconstruct the history of Jevons Lake by looking at what's preserved in the sediments. And again, Dr. Yan and his colleagues and friends have done this and shown that one particularly important species uh, of zooplankton called Bosmina is on the decrease, while two salt-tolerant species are on the increase. So we are seeing changes in how the ecosystem is functioning in this lake that is quite, quite elevated. Gotcha. And how does that affect it? Like, is, it, it, is, is the ones that can handle more salt, obviously they're thriving because of the increase in 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 that kind of atmosphere uh, under the under the waterline um, does that affect how the fish eat and does that affect other parts of quality of the water for humans and whatnot? Th that's a very good question. Um, we don't know yet. Okay. Um, uh, we're just wary of any changes in the ecosystem gotcha. and, and how that might work. Um, certainly, the, uh, the the there's two things going on. One is that the tolerant species can survive better in the saltier water. The second one is with the decline of the sensitive species, there's a bit less competition for food yes. from that source. So the other species that are tolerant have more access to food. Okay. 
So it, it kind of works both ways. Um, you know, on the surface, you might think that as long as there's zooplankton there that are edible to the fish, then that part of the system would do okay. But we don't really know yet. No, and and fresh water is not supposed to suddenly become salt water. <laughs> that wasn't the that wasn't the plan. No, no, that wasn't the plan. And and we use five to seven million tons of road salt a year in Canada. Um, oh my god! And and uh, about sixteen thousand tons per year in Muskoka. No, make that sorry, fifty or sixty thousand tons per year in Muskoka between our own individual use, the commercial operators who go do the store parking lots. Yes. Uh, and the highways, which which are salted by uh, mun- local municipalities like Huntsville and Bracebridge, by the District of Muskoka has ass- assumes the responsibility for some roads, and the province of Ontario does Highway 11 and Highway yes. 60, the, the major thoroughfares. So there's 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 um, many many actors you know, from us throwing too much salt on our front porch yeah. to to Highway 11 where there's batteries of trucks running along yeah. putting salt down indiscriminately at times. Well, I not was, ju- I'm not, and I'm not trying to like put anything on the drivers or anything. I'm just saying at times when the ice is is bad and the roads are bad and they're trying to make it safe under their guidelines of what should be safe. Because um, I don't want to like cause any issues with everybody, but we do need to point that out that sometimes um, it is. It, I feel like it's just spread without thinking what spots need to be spread. I, I think that would be um, a, an accurate statement maybe 20 years ago. Okay. Since uh, road salt, uh, in, in the past, we just, hey, we got it. We'll use it. Let's get it out there. Yes. It, it's much like the old approach to farmers fertilizing their field. If enough is enough, then too much is even better. <laughs> and that, that, is, that has been, <laughs> been kind of the paradigm that we've, we've worked on. Yeah. Since salt was declared hazardous, uh, they have taken big steps forward in trying to reduce the amount of salt okay. they're using. And, and th- I think by three methods, uh, reducing the, the bulk amount of salt they use, mixing it with substances that make it more efficient so it doesn't just bounce off the road. They pre-wet it so it stays where it's supposed to be and being much more responsive to the immediate weather patterns. Oh, uh, sure. The uh, understanding what combinations of temperature and precipitation would lead to, 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 to ice, what parts of the road might be the most sensitive to it, and focusing the efforts there. Okay, good. Now, good. Uh, through Friends of Muskoka Watershed and some friends at, at Gull Lake and Gravenhurst, we've met over the last month with the town of Gravenhurst and the district of Muskoka, both who say that they've reduced their road salt applications by 40 to 50% in the last five to 10 years. Okay. So, uh, so um, they're still putting a lot of road salt out, but uh, uh, I think, as as you said, indiscriminate is is maybe describes the past practices. Okay, gotcha. We we've got about thirty seconds to go, so maybe we'll take our break now. We'll take our commercial break on eighty eight seven the Bay, and uh, and if you're listening on MuskokaUnlimited.com, just keep listening. <laughs> thank I'm Doctor Sherman from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. And welcome back to the Chris O Show. I'm with Neil Hutchinson of Friends of Muskoka Watershed. We're discussing the road salt issue. Uh, and it's something that I actually am concerned about. That's why I contacted you, Neil, to come on the show and talk a bit more about it, knowing that research has been done, knowing papers have been written, knowing friends of Muskoka Watershed and yourself and Dr. Yan and everyone are working with the district, working with the municipalities, trying to help solve this issue. And working with individuals as well. Yes. Um, we, we've just started a citizen science program. We, we initiated that for our ASH project a couple of years ago. We're now applying it to road salt monitoring 
We've ordered test kits where, where individuals can take a little pen about the size of my pen and stick it in the water. Nice. And it'll tell you what the conductivity is. Now, conductivity is, is not chloride, but it's very highly related to chloride. Gotcha. The measure of how well it conducts electricity. The more chloride increases conductivity. And so we use that as a surrogate. Yeah. And so we've got people in Gravenhurst now and Bracebridge going out and we're looking for sources where, and, and what conditions, what kind of thaw events. We don't get much runoff during, during the freeze, of course, but when, when everything melts, you get a runoff that would then mobilize the salt. So right. we're looking at different runoff from different, say, grocery store parking lots or uh, suburb, uh, urban areas uh, down in, into the lake. Yes. And so that's uh, the second aspect of citizen science that we're doing at Friends of Muskoka Watershed. Nice. That's awesome. And, and, and I was going to ask you, how can people get involved? How can people help? And that is perfect that you volunteered that information. <laughs> well, stay tuned. Cause we, we really, we got going on it a bit late this year. It's, it's winter's almost over. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but next year we plan to be a bit more formal about it and uh, launching some public education initiatives as well. Wonderful. Because we, we just tend, if we've got a bag of salt, we just tend to open it up and let it rip. And yes. in fact, a cup of salt will cover most of you know, sidewalks or driveways that are 15 by 20 feet or, yes. or, or that kind of size. Um, you, can, you can cover with just one cup of salt, not half a bag. Yes. So that, that type of education works. Um, the municipal and provincial operators are all trained in, in how to manage their salt and reduce their use. Uh, and that training is not mandatory for private operators. So the guy that's going out and doing the Canadian Tire parking lot or something like that is 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 not generally trained in how to minimize the salt use. Gotcha. And we, we'd like to see more of that arrive uh, out of citizen awareness. Yes. And we'd also like to see changes in legislation that say if you follow the guidelines and, and apply the salt properly, then you can't be sued if somebody slips and falls. Uh, that's been a, 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 a problem in the past is people tend to overapply because they're afraid of liability. Which you understand. Yeah. Um, but but, but in, in, in fact, you can usually achieve the same level of safety with less salt. And so that's the training. And so in some parts in the states, the state of New Hampshire now has a, has a, a law that says if you are certified and you've shown that you've followed the guidelines, you are immune from uh, legal challenges on, on road salt for somebody slipping. So that's something that we'd have to apply pressure on politically. Yes. And I just say whether it's, a, it's, it's climate change, road salt, or Bill 23, political pressure is effective. Yes, <laughs> and we should is. be very aware of our power in, in, in doing that. Yeah. So working with the politicians, letting them know that we care, and we're prepared to support changes to reduce it. Yeah, I like that. I like that idea, um, you know, because you're, you're right. People would sue for anything. And everyone's always been paranoid. Oh, if someone slips on my step, even if someone, you know, there was one person that got sued because the, the person was trying to break in their house and slipped on ice. Remember that? That happened a few years ago, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, that's a great thing. We should be putting pressure on as citizens, as people to the government and saying, guys, you know what? We need to get rid of that. We need to say, if you're following the guidelines, like you said, Neil, we're going to get, you're not allowed to be sued. Yeah. It's just, you're not, it's not going to happen. So please follow the guidelines and, and then people need to be aware of how are you walking, where are you stepping, what are you doing and yeah. all that other stuff. And they, and what footwear you're wearing, you can now yes. buy winter specific footwear, just like you can buy winter tires yeah. with a different formulation of rubber where the rubber hits the road. It's not as slippery as it used to be. Yeah. I have a pair of pull on uh, studded cleats that I can pull on my shoes on the mornings when I'm walking the dog down a steep, icy driveway. Uh, those type of things we, we can use as well. 
I should also add that uh, Norm Miller, our former MPP, actually uh, passed legislation that limited the liability period for trips and falls from ice. It used to be unlimited. If I decided 10 years ago that my hurt, my hip was hurting because I'd slipped on ice 10 years ago, I could still sue somebody. That statute is now limited to two years. Okay. So it doesn't say you can't, but it says you, you should be immediate. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. If something happened, you got to do it right away. And, and, but we should just get rid of it. it. But like you said, only get rid of it if people have properly applied. Yeah. You can't be negligent. Yeah. Right. Like if you just leave it and don't apply anything and someone falls because you weren't taking care of your property. Well, that's one thing. Yeah. If you properly apply the the base amount of salt that's not too much and not too little, according to the guidelines, the safety guidelines and, and everything that we set out, then you shouldn't be allowed to be sued because someone thinks you didn't put enough or you didn't oversalt or you didn't whatever, right? So. And that kind of leads us into the next uh, topic, Chris, of, of expectations. Okay. Um, you talk to the town engineers and they'll say they get 100 calls for every snowstorm that the roads aren't cleared up fast enough or that they're still slippery. And again, that promotes overuse of salt and, 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 yes. and overdosing. Um, maybe we have to get away from the expectation that we can drive 120 kilometers an hour up Highway 11 during a snowstorm or after a snowstorm. And let's start being sensible. Maybe adopt the slow Muskoka movement. You know, take your yeah, time, yeah. get in here, enjoy yourself <laughs> while you're here. Maybe like I it. should work for the tourism board <laughs> and, and keep, keep things. Let's slow down a little bit. Yes. The other thing I'd like to point out is that our climate is changing. Our climate is warming, and I think there are two factors associated with that that, will, that could increase our use of road salt. One is, is lake effect snow. The longer that Georgian Bay stays ice-free, the more snow we get. And Georgian Bay is definitely staying ice-free longer. And uh, some days, some years is not freezing at all. So that generates lake effect snow, which we're very familiar with in Muskoka. Yes. And the period of that is going to be longer, the longer that Georgian Bay stays open. So that's going to lead to uh, increased needs to manage the snow, whether by salt or removal, yes. it remains to be seen. The other thing is that road salt doesn't work once you're below five degrees, right? right. Yes. So uh, municipalities, I spent a winter in Yellowknife, of course, they don't use road salt at all. They use big blocks of grit on the, on the road. Nice. Calgary doesn't use it. Uh, town of Mount Tremblant in Quebec apparently doesn't use road salt No, they salt don't. Either. I've been there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and how was the driving? It was fine. Yeah. But I'm smart. You're, you're, you're road smart. You're just, you, I think that, and, and this is your point, Neil, I think you have to just, to be smart, to drive a little slower, to be a little more cautious, to um, learn how to drive in winter conditions. Yes. Rather than expect Florida weather conditions on, you know, Ontario highways in and the middle of winter. And buy snow tires. And buy snow tires. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have a four wheel drive, you know, RAV4 makes life easy for me, right? Yeah. Because it's very, you know, you can get in and out of things, no problem. It's better handling, you know, but snow tires, um, you know, not everyone can buy a four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive car, but snow tires is definitely huge. Learning how to drive in the snow, being yes. confident, um, being considerate and aware of your surroundings, like all these little things that we can do can reduce the need for ex excess road salt on yes. our roads. I love the idea of grit and sand and stuff that's not going to throw off the... Yep the you know the environment because it'll just absorb into the the, the ground right it's like and using any kinds of uh, of natural like you know materials like that that are not going to affect things 
Well, sand, of course, doesn't absorb into the ground. It stays there in the yeah. springtime and yeah, has, yeah. has to be swept up. Yeah, sorry, yeah, you know <laughs> but, what I mean. <laughs> but but uh, but sand is a very useful alternative, especially once it gets cold and stays yeah. cold. And the other thing they're using is pickled sand, a mixture of three to five percent road salt with sand. Okay, and uh, th- that provides a little bit of the best of both worlds. You, yeah, you get the melt and then the sand for the traction. So gotcha. that's one thing that the municipalities are using. Yes. The other point with climate change is is if we're at five degrees or below and our projections for this part of the world are we're going to be three degrees warmer in 30 or 40 years. So right now, if our temperature swings, if we're going from minus 10 to minus five or minus, minus, minus five to minus two, we're always below zero. But if that average goes up by three degrees, we start going from minus two to plus one, from, from zero to plus three, yeah. and, and then back down again through this freeze-thaw cycle. Yeah. Every freeze-thaw cycle melts a bit of snow and generates when it freezes ice. So if we're going to get more of those freeze-thaw cycles, we can foresee the need for more road salt. And that's going to happen with our warming climate. So gotcha. that's another reason to be very, you know, get smart about how we use it. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and I like the idea of maybe um, more sand. I mean, I know it, it takes cleaning up and I have to clean up the sand every spring on my own driveway. And, you know, but if we're protecting the overall environment, Right. And we're being a little more smart about what we're doing and we're making life safer for us as humans because we live on this planet. Then shouldn't we look at those options? Right. You know, it's fair. Once you've recognized that something is a threat or a problem, you you look at ways to solve that problem and what, why we use it in the first place, how necessary it is to use it and and how much to use. So that's, that's a really good kind of a note to end on is, is be aware of of what we're doing Mm -hmm. and how to reduce our impact and um work with work with others around us to do that perfect i love that well neil that's time pretty much um i will give a throw to friends of the muskoka watershed which is www.fotmw.org all right guys so check out friends of muskoka watershed they're on facebook they're on instagram um you can google website they have a website that we just talked about you can just Google it, uh, Friends of Muskoka Watershed. Uh, you'll see stuff on Muskoka Unlimited with links. It'll be nice and easy. So and don't be you. shy about donating. And don't be shy about <laughs> donating. I like it. Don't be shy about donating. And either time or money. How about that? How yeah, about we yeah, say we, that? We have charitable status now uh, as Perfect. of last year. So awesome. We're a registered charity uh, for doing environmental work in Muskoka. Awesome. That's great. Well, thank you for all the work and effort you put into Muskoka and in the environment and trying to make it a better place, Neil. Thanks, Chris, for having an informative radio show. It's great to see community radio like this. I love it. I love it. Thank you. All right. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Protect the environment. All the shows we're doing is to inform you so you can get involved, too. Thanks for everyone, and have a great day. Bye for now. 